Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson. Psalm 119, verse 34, best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we can keep God's law and observe it with our whole hearts. In this episode, I'm going to continue in a series that I've been doing on the seven final sayings of Jesus from the cross. We are now on the sixth of the seven sayings of Jesus. Let me give a brief review because it's been a few minutes since I've been on in several days. Uh, my wife and I just had our second child, and so it's been maybe about 10 days since I've published a podcast or since I've done this particular series on the seven sayings. The first of the seven sayings was Jesus' words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Luke twenty-three thirty-four. His next words were words about the future. When he said, Assuredly, I say to you t- today, you will be with me in paradise. Luke twenty-three forty-three. The third, uh, sev- the third of the seven sayings, when Jesus said regarding his mom or to his mom, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple John, Behold your mother. John nineteen twenty five and 26. These are words that Jesus spoke regarding family. And then the fourth of the seven sayings, Jesus spoke words of fellowship. When he quoted scripture from Psalm 22, verse 1, and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this seems to be one of the most popular of the seven sayings, or perhaps most misunderstood and even most underappreciated uh, statements in my judgment. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. Uh, I put a lot into that. I greatly enjoyed doing it. The last episode, the fifth of the seven sayings, were words of focus. When Jesus, knowing uh, that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst, John nineteen twenty eight and 29, which emphasized no doubt to them that heard him, but also to us, that he not only knew that he was the fulfillment of Scripture, but also that people could see him as the God-Man. Truly, he partook of the of the of the earthly, physical, human nature. He did become a human being. In this episode, I want to discuss the sixth of the seven sayings. I'm going to call them "Words of Finality," Part One. Words of Finality, Part One. John 19, verse 30. John 19, verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. These are words of finality. And these words, it is finished, are only found in John's account. The word translated finished, it is finished, means accomplished. It is fulfilled. It is completed. It is brought to an end. Or Christ has brought an end to something. Let's ponder that. Not many hours before, in his high priestly prayer, look with me at John chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. John 17, verses 3 and 4. Jesus prayed to the Father, 
And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Christ in his death completed the work that God had given him to do. Let's consider together some things that Jesus finished, that Jesus completed. The first thing I'd like for us to consider that he completed, that he brought to a completion, that he finalized, was that he fulfilled all things written in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. Look with me at Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Jesus spoke these words to some individuals who saw him after his resurrection, prior to his ascension. He emphasized to them, These are the things which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus fulfilled all things written in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's incredible. He's saying the Old Testament spoke of me. Of course, a very obvious question, a very good question becomes how? How did the law, the prophets, and the Psalms speak of Jesus? I'm not going to cover that in this episode, but let me just briefly cover it by saying this that God in a most uh, diverse, a most uh, intricate, a most creative, a most uh, incredible and even miraculous way through the prophets foreshadowed Messiah. And he spoke of him sometimes in vague terms, but then sometimes in very explicit and very specific terms. And we can look to the New Testament writers to learn how they used the Old Testament law, the Old Testament prophets, and the Old Testament Psalms. When Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, certainly, certainly that truth, that statement included the fact that he fulfilled all things that were written about him in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. Consider second, though, that Jesus in his death rendered Satan his power, Satan's power, I should say, of death, powerless. John chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, prior to Jesus' death, he said, This voice did not come because of me. Well, what voice? Well, if you just pick up there, you might not know, but if you'll read the three and four verses before, a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And the people that stood by that heard it said it thundered. And others said, that's an angel's voice. Jesus said, this voice didn't come because of me, but but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Jesus in his death was judging the ruler of this world. And he rendered Satan powerless over death. The Hebrews writer uh, discusses this to his readers, and it's for us today. Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15, describing Jesus' work. The Hebrews writer wrote, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, that's Jesus, himself, 
likewise shared in the same, flesh and blood that is, that through death he, Christ, might destroy him, Satan, who had the power of death, that is, the devil. He destroyed Satan, yes, in the sense that he rendered him powerless. Matthew 12, verse 29, is a good reference to write there in your Bible. Matthew 12, 29, Jesus, in emphasizing that he was not casting out demons by the power of Satan, he said these words, How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? Truly, the ultimate uh, fulfillment of this is Jesus going into the strong man's house, Satan, and binding him. When Jesus said, It is finished, through the death of Jesus, he, Jesus himself, was rendering Satan and his power of death powerless. Satan held that stronghold from the time Adam and Eve first sinned until the time Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross. Third, consider with me next, another thing that Jesus accomplished that he brought an end to. He, Jesus, broke down the middle wall of separation to make Jews and Gentiles one in him. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. Listen to these words. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has both made, excuse me, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. So not only in his death and in saying it is finished, point to how Jesus fulfilled all things that were written in the Law, the Prophets, and the Psalms. But not only that, but he rendered Satan's power of death powerless. But third, he broke down the middle wall of separation to make Jews and Gentiles one in him, Galatians 3.28. And that's incredible. Because that was God's plan all along, the goal to which God was working through Christ to bring together in one body all people, Jew and Gentile. Again, Galatians 3, 28. But yet another golden nugget, number four. <clears throat> Jesus, in teaching that he accomplished all things, he made the way for personal access to God. Ephesians 2 13 through 18, but also one other passage. I just read that one. I'd like to read uh, briefly from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and following. Hebrews 10, 19 and following. Listen to these words, and I'm going to be choosy because I don't want to take too much time here. That this Hebrews is rich. Hebrews chapter 10 is one of my favorite chapters. I recently studied it and taught it uh, to the young adults group here in our congregation. Jesus made the way for personal access to God himself. 
Hebrews 10, 19, written to individuals who had personal access to God. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the only day that they could see approaching in the first century was not the second coming of Jesus, but the destruction of Jerusalem. And many of them were forsaking the assembling of themselves together. And he says, don't do that because you have personal access to the throne room of God. And as such, you are responsible to come and offer worship before God in prayer and in communion and singing and preaching, exhorting. So through Christ and his accomplishing, uh, the death that, that he died to accomplish all things made the way for personal access to God. And there's more that I could read I encourage you, read all the way through Hebrews 10, all the way through chapter uh, 10, verse 39. It's incredible. Personal access to God was made possible through the death of Jesus. Number five, <clears throat> Jesus canceled in his death the reign of death. This ties back into Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. But I would encourage you also to consider, and I'm not going to read all this, but in your own time, Romans 5, 12 through 21. Yes, a complex section of Scripture, but however you interpret it, do not interpret it in a way that will contradict other plain passages. I'm going to select a couple passages that will emphasize that Jesus' death, that in that death, it is finished. He canceled the reign of death that had occurred from the time of Adam through Moses and up to the time Jesus died on the cross. Romans 6 verse 9 he reminds the Christians, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. This same truth is reiterated over in chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death started in the Garden of Eden. You sin, you die. The day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Well, the death of Jesus, it accomplished all things. And that included the cancellation of the reign of death over mankind. We can have life through Christ. Romans 8, 2. Number six, he canceled sin's power. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 through 58. These truths should move us. They should pump us up. 1 Corinthians 15, listen to 54 through 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58. So when this corruptible body has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Jesus' death canceled sin's power. And through the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of our own bodies at the end, sin has no power over our body. No, because it will be resurrected by the power of the living God, the living Christ. What else does it mean that Jesus' death accomplished all things? It is fulfilled. What else did he fulfill? Number seven, he demonstrated what it means to lovingly obey God to the point of death. He fulfilled what it means to obey God to the point of death. Hebrews 2 verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Wow. So he fulfilled all things. He, he fulfilled obedience. Hebrews 5, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, verses 8 through 10. Listen, Hebrews 5, 8 through 10. The Hebrews writer says, Though he, Jesus, was a son, Yet he, Jesus, learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Isn't that incredible? It is finished. Well, he truly completed what it means to lovingly obey God to the point of death, 1 Peter 2, 21, and also 1 Peter 4, 1. Number eight, what else does it mean? It means that he, he provided the means of salvation. Remember the words of Jesus when he instituted the Lord's Supper? When he said these words, he said, This is my blood which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus shed his blood so that people could have the forgiveness of of their sins. Only his death provides the means of salvation. My death doesn't. Your death doesn't. The death of animals did not. Ephesians 1 7 says, In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And yet again from the Hebrews writer, chapter 9 verse 15, the Hebrews writer wrote, and for this reason he, Christ, is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Only the death of Jesus fulfilled this. He provided the means of salvation. Number nine, what else does it mean when Jesus said, it is finished? He made peace between God and mankind. Consider with me next Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Colossians 1, 19, let's go through 22. For it pleased the Father that in him, Christ, all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now 
he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Wow. It is finished. Jesus knew that his death provided the means of salvation and made peace between God and mankind. This same truth is taught in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. The love of Christ compels us, he wrote, and he died for all, verse 15. Verse 16, therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And Jesus reconciled them to himself and had given them the ministry, the apostles, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not reckoning or imputing their trespass to them, and has, and has committed to us, the apostles, the word of reconciliation. So Christ in his death reconciled. He brought two parties that were not at peace. They were at enmity with one another and brought them back into harmony and unity in peace. And we can enjoy that unity and peace with God if we are in Christ himself. Consider with me next, number 10. What does it mean, it is finished? It means he paid the death penalty for all. Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, listen to verses 9 through 15. The Hebrews writer wrote, <clears throat> But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect or complete through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus paid the death penalty for all. One of my favorite passages, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Listen to these words. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous person will one die, yet perhaps for a good person someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? He died for us. He paid the death penalty for all. It is finished. He paid the death penalty. Number 11, it is finished. What does that mean? He provided satisfaction of the full 
justice of God. Remember Genesis 2.17? Dying the death, you will die. The day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Romans 3.21-26 through 26 teach the same concept. And then the Apostle John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Listen to these words. And he himself, speaking of Jesus the Advocate, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Jesus' death satisfied the justice of God, the sinless God-man dying in our stead, satisfying the wrath and the full justice of Almighty God. It is finished. God's justice is satisfied. Amen. Hallelujah. Finally, number 12. What does it mean, it is finished? He blotted out the old covenant. And he made and sealed the new covenant. Remember the words I mentioned a moment ago when he gave the communion, the Lord's Supper, as we call it. Remember his words? Matthew 26, 28. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That means Jesus shed his blood to establish a new covenant, not the old covenant, but the new covenant. He blotted out the old covenant and made and sealed the new. You, you ought to read 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 15, Galatians 3, 13 through 25, Galatians 4, 21 through 31, Hebrews 7, 11 through 28, Hebrews 8, 6 through chapter 10, really. These passages that I just referenced, that I just wrapped off, are, are, are covered. They are full of the truth that Jesus blotted out the old covenant. He completed it. He fulfilled it. And he took it out of the way. We do not live by the old covenant. We are not under it. We are amenable to the new covenant of Christ. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end, the word means goal. For Christ is the goal of the law for everyone, excuse me, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, let me sum, sum this episode up by making a few statements. This episode, I've called it the sixth of the seven final sayings, words of finality part one. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And I've gone into some detail briefly about what that meant and what it means today. That Jesus accomplished the will of God. He fulfilled, he completed it. He brought an end to certain things and a bringing in of others by shedding his blood for the new covenant. Let me ask this question as I draw this to a close to make it personal. How can we honor the sixth statement of Jesus from the cross? What, how, you know, how can I live by that truth that Jesus accomplished the will of God? It is finished. And let me suggest this. By learning to appreciate to the best of our ability the entire work of Jesus for our salvation. You know, I didn't die on the cross for myself. Baptism didn't die on the cross for me. You, dear brother, dear sister, did not die for me. Animals did not shed their blood for me to make my salvation possible. The church building did not 
die for me. The church as a whole did not make my salvation possible, but the work of Jesus made my salvation possible. That doesn't mean that the church and baptism aren't necessary. They absolutely are. And we need to understand what Jesus and the apostles taught about those truths. But we need to understand and see Jesus as the completion, the fulfillment of God's will to make salvation possible so that through Him we can access these blessings. Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 emphasize over and over the riches that we have in Christ. That through Christ we have all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1 3. And it's through Him, Christ, that we have been chosen, verse 4, to be holy and without blame before Him in love, and that we are to be to the praise of the glory of His grace, and we are accepted in Christ, verse 6. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, verse 7, in Christ, and we uh, have been made to abound toward uh, God, has, it says, which He made toward our abound, that is, the riches of His grace have been made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. We have wisdom and prudence in Christ, and and on and on the list goes. The, the plethora of blessings that God has showered. And it was all made possible by the death of Jesus. So, you know, what does it mean to us today? It is finished. How can we honor that? How can we live by that? Again, let me suggest there are probably multiple things that we can consider. But I want you to, to walk away with this one. By learning to dig in the Word daily. And to appreciate more each day to the best of our ability, the entire work of Jesus for our salvation. And we do this by not only learning about him, but living for him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus said that if we will continue in his word, we can truly be his disciples and through that knowledge of the truth that we obtain from him in his word, we can be set free from sin. We can be forgiven, born again, children of God, walking in the light of God's word. So may we, from hearing this, be encouraged to know, I did not have to accomplish the will of God in order for salvation to be possible. It's not necessary for me to live a sinless life. I, I can't. Jesus did what was necessary to make salvation possible. Now his message is preached and read and studied. And it's my responsibility, it's your responsibility to access these blessings by faith. What does that look like? What does faith look like? Without faith that God is... And that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without that kind of faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six. And as we diligently seek him, we learn that believing who he claimed to be from the evidence that has been given and recorded, we then repent, we change our hearts about sin and about God, and we can, that's Acts 2.38, that's Acts 17.30. We are to confess our faith in Jesus as Lord and Christ, Romans 10.9 and 10. And we are to go down into the watery grave of baptism, to die to sin and self, to be raised, to walk a new life, Romans chapter 6. 
Thereby we access the saving merits of the blood of Jesus. And this is the operation of God, Colossians 2.12. It's not what I say. It's the operation of God, Colossians 2.12. I beg you, read and study Colossians 2.12, tied in with the passages I've mentioned. Appreciate to the best of our ability the entire work of Jesus for our salvation. Jesus spoke words of finality because truly he himself is the one who accomplished all things that made it possible for us to be right and justified in the sight of Almighty God. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. If this episode has motivated you, moved you, encouraged you in any way, do me a favor and put this before other people. Help me in the algorithms by sharing it, commenting, uh, clicking like on whatever venue you see. Share it around, please, if it's a benefit to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Give Me Understanding podcast. God bless, and I will catch you next time.